Avengers, assemble. In the wake of Endgame, some were lost, others regained. They're good. What happens next? Stay tuned, true believers, as we try to find out. Peter Melnick, graphic designer, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator, and I'm Eddie Wilson. Upstate New York radio announcer in the Sullivan Catskills, with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. Ready? It's time for a new episode of The Marvelists. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick, and Eddie Wilson is on assignment in Krakoa, the island that walks like a man. And before we get to the usual rigmarole of today's episode, I want to tell you all at home how you can get a hold of us on them thar social medias. First off, go on Facebook at facebook.com slash themarvelists. Give us a like on there. Go on Twitter and Instagram at themarvelists. You can also find myself on Twitter and Instagram at Peter Melnick and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Peter Melnick Podcaster. Also, you can find Eddie, the only place you can find Eddie Wilson on the worldwide interwebs, Twitter at Eddie9193. So this is a very special episode because this is going to be our Toy Fair 2020 episode slash regular episode because we haven't heard from you people in a long time. You haven't heard from us, actually. Well, this episode, we get some really cool stuff. We get to talk to some of the guys from Marvel Legends at Hasbro. We get to talk to some one of the guys over at Arcade 1-Up, as well as the founder of Mego Toys in the 1970s, Marty Abrams. And one that was very special for me, and we get a little sit-down talk for about 20-ish minutes, which, got to tell you people at home, I was really happy with how this turned out. I got to talk to the Todd father himself, the man behind so many great memories for me of the 1990s, especially with Spider-Man and especially of Image Comics. We're talking again to the Todd father himself, the creator of Venom, the creator of Spawn, Todd McFarlane. But before we get into that, like I said, we got a lot of stuff we got to catch up on. And even before we actually do that catching up, geez, I'm sorry with this long, rambling introduction. And John, you're going to be in full Peter Melnick can't shut up editing mode because this is how this episode's going to be, except for the interviews. Don't you dare do that during the interviews. <laughs> but I want to say, first off, a big apology to Sully of Funko's Funcast. We were at New- we were at Toy Fair, and a bit of a problem had occurred with the recorder. So this episode is a make good. Well, next episode is going to be a make good for him because he's going to be guesting on the show. We're going to have him on. We're going to be talking all sorts of Marvel related news. And it just bummed me out because that episode was really, really good. And it got lost because the recorder ended up messing up. However, we do have like, I think the last 11 minutes of that episode and yeah it, it just broke my heart because we had like a full solid half hour because of his recording time and whatnot but like i said we want to say a big thank you to sully because he will be guesting on the program you can give him a follow on twitter at cs sully and yeah just you know tell him you like his on the fun cast what was that because we do here at the marvelists 
But this episode, we're going to be talking about some of the stuff that we were supposed to talk about on that episode. And the first one, the main one, actually, was Sam Raimi, director of Evil Dead, director of Drag Me to Hell, director of Oz, the Great and Powerful. And oh, yeah, this little uh, this little uh, franchise of films, Spider-Man, that trilogy from the 19 or the 2000s, you know, with Tugboat, Tobey Maguire. I think you heard of him. I think we did an episode or two or three or a bunch of episodes. I don't know. But that guy, well, there's been a lot of rumor and innuendo going around on the internet about the fact that he is in talks with Marvel to direct Doctor Strange 2, the Multiverse of Madness, or Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. Well, as we talked about in that episode before, the possibility of this happening is kind of cool because we're going to be seeing multiverses. We're going to be seeing this. We might even see cameos from the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. We might see the Maguire attire one more time because it's not the Raimi suit. It's the Maguire attire. Show respect to the man inside the damn suit. But people have been wondering, is it confirmed? Because he's just in talks. In talks. There's a difference between actually doing it and in talks. We might have got a little bit more of a confirmation in the recent weeks because Sam was supposed to be doing a lot of appearances at horror movie conventions. And a lot of people have been noticing Sam has been canceling those appearances, which I feel bad for a lot of the promoters of those shows because Sam is one of those guys that's never done them before. He may, maybe back in the day, maybe like just small, but as his legend, as a icon in horror movies with in part the evil dead movies, we really haven't seen much of his work in terms of convention appearances. I don't know why I said much of his work. He has a full, full filmography. That's dumb, Peter. But anyway, he finally was going to be making his return for the con circuit. Narrator, that was not the case because like I said, he's been canceling all of those due to an upcoming project. Hmm, I wonder what that could be. Well, now it's pretty much all but confirmed Sam Raimi is going to be making his homecoming to Marvel with Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. It's not confirmed, but it's confirmed. So take that for what you will. But on the topic of horror, currently a lot of people are talking about New Mutants, which is actually going to be coming out. Some people are like, oh, it's I'll believe it when I see it. Well, there's TV commercials right now hyping up the upcoming debut. Although, recently with... <sighs> this is going to make this episode look so damn dated. Unless we're all dead by then. But a year from now, we'll be reminiscing about the coronavirus, hopefully. James Bond, No Time to Die, just got pushed forward Backwards. seven months. Could we be seeing New Mutants get pushed forward Backwards. a few months? Even more of a delay for a movie that was supposed to come out, I believe, in 2017. And it just keeps happening and happening and happening. But anyway, 
The movie got its official MPAA rating of PG-13. And the farewell of the X-Universe on film going from 20 or 2000 all the way to 2020, 20 years of films ends with the new mutants. We're seeing some, you know, TV spots and it's looking extra, extra spoopy, but people are online are going PG 13 horror movie. That's stupid. Well, there's quite a number of PG 13 horror movies that are good. You have a quiet place. You have killer clowns from outer space. You have the grudge. You have this one movie which wasn't rated PG-13 because at the time it was not available as a rating at the MPAA, but the original Poltergeist was rated PG. You can do a lot with a PG-13 rating, especially in the realm of horror. You don't need blood and guts. You don't need excessive boobage. You don't need any of that stuff to make a good horror movie. 2019 saw the release of an R-rated horror movie, which absolutely sucked. And that movie was Hellboy. Hellboy is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in a theater. And I had that as one of my AMC A-list reservations. And to be completely honest, I didn't want a refund, but I wanted my A-list reservation back because that movie was that bad. You don't need an R rating to make a movie good. And I'm a proponent of that. Just let the storytelling speak for itself. Good storytelling begets a good movie. Now, on the flip side, again, R-rated movies are fantastic. You look at the Deadpool movies, and yes, they definitely benefit from the R rating. But again, you can do an R. You can do a PG-13 rated Deadpool because then you work in the parameters of, oh no, I can't do this. Oh no, I can't say that. And therein lies extra humor. However, again, yeah, Deadpool, you know, is great with a, with an R rating because then you see what the character really can be. But also with chains on, just held back just a little bit, it can also be just as great. But I still also feel an R-rated Venom movie would have been cool. But again, what do I know? But... PG-13 New Mutants? Why not? Just give it a shot. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We just have one more movie that sucked. Who knows? So I think what's going to happen next is we are going to go into our interviews from Toy Fair. And those interviews start right about now. joined at Toy Fair 2020 with David McIntosh of Arcade 1UP, the at-home arcade, and one of the things I'm really digging right now is that Marvel superheroes, X-Men, Children of the Atom, and the Punisher, all of those characters, they're available now as a part of the Marvel superheroes cabinet that's available in stores wherever you can find these bad boys, and I gotta ask, how did this come about? Well, you know... We've secured deals for almost every arcade title that's, you know, at least one people would appreciate. And oh, we, I knew, we knew this was a must-have for all of our fan community. However, you know, there's a time and a place for everything. And we just happen to be able to launch this throughout the, the Endgame franchise coming to an end. You know what I mean? The Avengers uh, franchise coming to an end. So for us, it was not just about a must-have title, but it was also about uh, the proper timing to execute it as well. 
And one of the things I love about these cabinets is the fact that it's multiplayer. You can be able to do all this cool stuff and experience the arcade atmosphere at home. Right. Now, growing up, I'm imagining you were a Marvel fan as well. 100%. First book I read was the Marvel Encyclopedia. Really? That, that's serious. Who are some of your favorite characters? I'm going to be honest, Spider-Man, I hate to say it, as generic as it is, it's just like as a kid growing up, that was the most like relatable, you know, character for me. As someone named Peter is pretty relatable. <laughs> there you go. All right. I, like, I've been judged for the, the generic answer. Some people are like, oh, what about like Red Hulk? Like you got to pick a foreign character. Nobody knows. Why are you not picking, uh, I was going to say Shuma Gorat, but kind of. That character's starting to become, you know, a known name because of the uh, Capcom games. Exactly. But one of the things, I met you at Toy Fair last year, and I remember asking you, are you guys considering doing a Marvel cabinet? And you were very much, uh, well, uh, you see, uh, Aurora Borealis. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. this was the most delightful steamed ham I've ever seen in regards to the arcade cabinet. So we're really glad, as fans especially, to be able to experience this again. And out of the three games on there, Marvel Super Heroes, X-Men Children of the Atom, and The Punisher, what is your favorite? You know, I like to show off on Marvel Super Heroes because I've, in, in my time of playing on these machines, I've gotten okay. But I'm going to be honest, The Punisher, because it's cooperative, uh, it's a side-scroller, those are classic. I really, really enjoy Punisher. Um, when you're playing with your colleagues, it's nice to work together versus, you know, you're already at each other's throats all day at the office. It's nice to kind of come together and play a game cooperatively. So for me, it's The Punisher on this cabinet. Now, in regards, though, to like a game like Marvel Superheroes or X-Men Children of the Atom, for both of them, who do you main? Uh, for superheroes, I main uh, Spider-Man because I like to play ranged characters, which if when I go into X-Men Children of the Atom, it's Cyclops. Uh, again, easy, easy laser beams to cast, you know, the corner circle, punch, you get the nice beam going on. So for me, I really like ranged characters. I like to run away and like do my range. And when they get close, I, I, I try to do combos, but I'm not the greatest. And uh, Punisher, you're, really, you're limited to the, the two characters you got there. Now, in regards to the future of these, these have been selling really well. And I'm looking through everything here. You see Golden Axe. You see Mortal Kombat 2, Star Wars. And now you guys are doing pinball machines. Yep. And who are the pinball machines with? Is it going to be with one of the majors like Stern or, or is it like an independent kind of thing? We partnered with Zen Studios for the digital pinball library. They have the largest library of digital pinball tables. And um, in terms of quality of work, we're, we're using the manufacturing that we, we were able to leverage for the arcade machines to, to add in additional titles for the, the pinball machine. So in terms of who we're partnering with, people like Lucas and uh, Bali Midway, we have some of the biggest people in the pinball space partnering with us on this because you will never be able to find a three-quarter ta uh, scale table that's as close to the originals as you can in terms of haptic feedback, accelerometers, uh, for tilt recognition, etc. At, at this price point. So it's going to be a home run for us in Q4. I think it's fantastic to see that, especially because just the legacy of characters like the ones in the Star Wars universe. And, you know, of course they have their ties to the Marvel Universe, what with they having the very first comics back in the day. But in regards to this, you know, it's cool to see, just again, that level of nostalgia. And I hope to see much more of a love of pinball again, because I love pinball. And to be able to see the idea of these mini versions, that's fantastic. Yeah, so it's perfect for your home. I have a condo in Toronto, similar. They're, they're not big. They're just like New York condos. Um, and so I have room for about one or two of these things. And I, you want to have a pinball. You want to have an arcade machine. It is perfect in a three-quarter scale form factor to be able to bring that home at an affordable price point. Right. You get the experience, but it doesn't break the wall. Absolutely. And what I, I want to ask it, but I know what I'm going to hear. But what is the future holding 
arcade one up and Marvel. Yeah. So as you can see here, we have the the arcade machine. We have various form factors as well. We're going to be diversifying into new product lines. We're going to be diversifying into whole new products, titles as well. So without giving anything away, you know, tune in for E3. Uh, Arcade1up.com has all of our social media handles and stuff like that. That's where we'll be able to follow us. And we're going to be announcing some great new products uh, in the near future that you'll, you'll definitely be a fan of. Now... Tell the audience at home the difference between the two Marvel superheroes machines. Right, so you can get, there's three versions of Marvel Row out in the market right now. The entry level 299 standard unit, it doesn't come with a riser, but it has the same games, it has the buttons, the joystick, everything. Uh, it's a very entry level product. Then we have the mid level where we have the same arcade machine on a riser for about uh, $350. And then for $399, we did a limited edition. There's actually only about 200 of these left. We made 8,000. These are, they flew off the shelves as you can imagine. We have, they come with a light-up marquee, uh, custom artwork for the riser, custom trim, as well as Sanwa joysticks and buttons to really give that arcade perfect feel. As close to arcade perfect that you can get at this price point. I love it. And again, just to see that level of detail with this, you look at like the design overall, just the cabinet itself, you see the, what are they called? The, I want to say it's the board, but I know it's not going to be the board the main console itself. Yeah, the control deck here. Control deck, there we go. Just, it's got, you know, panels of different Marvel comics. I believe there's some Infinity War or Infinity Gauntlet stuff on here. And I, I see, of course, I'm the juggernaut. Just, again, it's so cool to see this level of love and detail that you guys put into this. Especially, by the way, the head up top. Yeah, the marquee here. Oh, there we go, that worked too. <laughs> <laughs> but just, it's got that 1990s style feel to it. And you guys replicate it so damn well. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, the, the reason the whole birth of Arcade went up started with uh, our CEO playing a plug-and-play. And he's like, you know what? These games bring me back, but this experience doesn't. You know what I mean? And, he, and then he pitched his team, and, and they ended up saying, you know what? The experience you're missing is standing behind an arcade machine and actually jamming out on it, playing the, holding the joystick, hammering down on those buttons, right? That's the experience that you missed. So they said, well, what can we do right now in terms of acquiring that experience and in the marketplace you can buy a refurbished arcade machine for like two three thousand dollars it's a lot or you can buy a desktop micro version of it for like 20 to 30 bucks but there's nothing in the middle and that's where the birth of arcade one up came it's a three-quarter scale they're only like 60 pounds they're very easy to move around if you have family coming over you can bring it into the living room uh they're very agile but they're still sturdy and they're really uh they're built to last so i have to ask how can we get a hold of you guys on social media Arcade One Up official, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Those are our handles, but ArcadeOneUp.com has a link to all of our social platforms as well. That's the best way to follow us. David, thank you so much for your time. No problem. Thank you. Hey, Toy Fair 2020. I guess it's kind of day one or two or something. But it's Saturday. We know that. And Saturday is the fun day. And right now we are joined with the originator of the Mego action figures of the 1970s, of the 1980s, and now. Mego's back. Mego has made his grand return. And oh, there's so much cool stuff. There's a lot of different things, such as the DC characters, Star Trek, which I'm actually going through my obsession right now, enjoying the hell out of it. And those those figures are going to be soon in my collection, just because a lot of horror stuff. Of course, Kiss. But one of the big things this weekend is the debut of the Stan Lee action figure. And Stan the Man was a very cool figure in pop culture, especially in Marvel, which is what we specialize in. And Marty, you are a man who is a figure in the action figure. 
I would say. A very, you know, cool figure. What is it like being able to work on a figure of Stan? Well, you know, Stan and I were very good friends. And that's how this whole, whole thing started. Uh, we go back uh, when both of us were just kicking the tires in the, the late, literally the late 60s, early 70s. And we'd have lunch once a month when he was living here in New York. This before he became Stan Lee the legend. You know, there was, you know, there was, you know, he, his icon ship has grown to such a level that people forget that he was just like the rest of us. Yeah. Uh, with, a, with a boyhood, a childhood, with all these fantasies going through his mind. And he had the right vehicle, meaning Marvel, to execute it. And so, uh, very special relationship. Uh, and prior to him passing away, uh, I had called him and talked about us doing some stuff together. Uh, not just his own figure itself, but uh, what was left in the, what we call the Stanley vault that he owned that Marvel didn't. And we wound up getting the rights to all that as well. But, but, uh, so this is our first step in this new world of, of action figures, using the character himself, meaning Stan. Uh, and uh, the response has been amazing. By the way, not just here in the U.S., but worldwide. I mean, Stan is a beloved figure um, for the last 20, 25 years, going to all the shows. I mean, he was the driving force behind Comic-Con. And when he came in and he signed his autograph, he took a picture of him, the lines were around the corner. Uh, so uh, Comic-Con exploded into many different cities around the world uh, and around the country. Uh, I mean, they even have it internationally. So it's a, it's a very special moment for us to launch this new character. We've got him in a couple of different looks and, and, and feelings. And next year, we're going to actually explode him into a, a true life replication of what an action figure should be. And I, I can't tell you what it is, but when you see you go, whoa, that's pretty cool. So we're, so thanks to you, a lot of us are going to have Stan make a cameo in our collections now. Um, hoping he will. I hope so as well. And how did the Marvel partnership back in the day start? Uh, well, it, it, literally, we, you know, we, our first bite of the apple wasn't Marvel, it was DC. And it was Batman and Superman and their, all their characters, Wonder Woman, and we, you know. Uh, and we were so successful um, in the context of that first launch um, that it became instantly reala our realization was we had to go out there and get all the Marvel characters. And that's why we stayed with the 8-inch characters. And all we had to do was change the heads. Because we could literally go in from Batman to Spider-Man. But all you're doing is changing the head and changing the costumes. Uh, and, and maybe you change the color of the, of, the, of the plastic, you know, red hands versus white hands. So it allowed us to go in and get 20 different characters instantaneously. Uh, and, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, I just picked the phone, called him up, told him who I was, I told him what I wanted to do. He says, come on up here and then... You know, we, we became instant friends. And the impact of those figures, it's still resonating in pop culture today. I know back in the day it was uh, the one toy magazine. I want to say it was Toy Fair magazine? Something like that. But they would have the Twisted Toy Fair Theater yeah, well, and they would yeah, utilize that was, Yeah, it was Toy Fair. And it ended up giving birth as well to Robot Chicken. And when you see on Robot Chicken, they utilize a lot of the Mego figures, Mego style figures as well. What is it like knowing you have that impact on pop culture? Well, listen, that's, that's why we, we came back. Because if we didn't have that type of impact, if, the, if, if the, 
wasn't a range of collectors that knew about Migo going back to the 70s and 80s. I mean, that's 30, 40 years ago. So that, that had to have some resonance uh, with, with, the, with the collector. Otherwise, we, we couldn't be there. So the Migo action figure became a, an adjective unto itself. Yeah. In other words, 8-inch, 12-inch characters, fully clothed versus being totally molded, uh, with the same the same body, and that became known as Amigo figure, and so that allowed us to turn around and do all the above. So you know everything is like a pool ball. One thing bounces off the other, which is bounces off the other, and finally you come to the fruition. Where we have to bring back a character, and we're lucky enough, with the exception of Marvel, everybody came on board. As you can see, we have all of DC. You can see we have Star Trek. You can see we have. Uh, Warners. We, I mean, we have all the ranges of, of product, with the exception of Marvel. I do hope one day, as a fan, especially, I want to see those kind of figures with Marvel as well, because it's cool to see the compatibility of all of them. You know, they all have that same kind of mold, and it's great. Well, you know, the, the, at, the, at the moment, uh, everything, everything changes, but at the moment, it's owned by Hasbro, and Hasbro is very protective of their brand. And quite candidly, I understand where they're coming from. Yeah. If I was them, I would do, take the exact same position. No. no, but you know, uh, it, it is it is what it is. So we'll, we're trying to do our best to move around it. Well, I mean, I have my minor bias with Marvel, but of course, come on, uh, Hasbro, license it out at least once, just once, because it would be cool to see that with all this stuff. And in regards to both the Marvel and the DC, in the Marvel ones that you guys had done back in the day, what was your favorite one for those, as well as the distinguished competition DC? Well, my favorite Marvel, obviously, was Spider-Man. I mean, because it, it, it launched that whole category. From Spider-Man, we went into Hulk. We went into Iron Man. You know, we had, it gave us the... We, we never got to um, X-Men because it was a little bit later in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the play. But the character positions allowed us to get all into that whole, into that whole area. So Spider-Man, obviously, is, is, the, is, the key, is the key character. And, um, we're, we're, you know, then right after that, we'll be... My personal character, my favorite, is the Hulk. Oh, we, we have a bias for the Hulk as well over with us, so we completely understand. Yeah. Now, with uh, DC, any particular favorites with them? Like Batman, well, Superman? Well, clearly, it's, you know, it's Batman, Superman. You know, Batman launched, it's a bad pun, but launched this whole thing for us. So, yeah, and a lot of, a lot of us have the good versus the bad. You know, Batman, Joker, Batman, Miseplex, Batman, Penguin, Batman, Riddler. So you had the conflicts coming back and forth. One, personally, as a suggestion, I would love to see like a Batman 66 style in, with the Adam West outfit and everything and the little eyebrows on the cowl. Just, it would be perfect. It's tailor-made for Mego. It's, again, the fun that Mego is. Thanks for the uh, insight because that's how we do things. Yeah. If you don't mind, text me exactly that so I don't lose that thought process because that's what we do. You know, because those nuances make up all of the processors. Now, before we head off, Marty, Mr. Rivers, how can people get a hold of you on social media and Migo in general? Well, let me just say, Joe, I'm going yeah. to switch over to Joe Rosenzweig. <laughs> you can ask him that question. How can and, people and, get a hold of Migo on social media? Thank you so much. I have to sure, run. Absolutely. Sure. So we have, a, we have a Facebook page called Migo Ambassador. And you can sign up. It's a, it's a private page. It's our, it's our own page. We encourage people to come on. If they want to be an ambassador to help promote the Mingo brand, we encourage them to come on to Facebook. 
Amigo Ambassador, as well as we have a Amigo Facebook page that's open to the public, and you know, we'd love people to come on and see what we're doing. Also, uh, we have an Instagram page, Amigo Instagram page, and we do have a, a Twitter page as well. So, you know, we, we'd encourage people to come on all the pages. Very cool. Thank you all so much. Thank you. <laughs> It is Toy Fair 2020, and right now I am joined with two of the men behind Marvel Legends at Hasbro, Dwight and Ryan. Guys, how are you today? Wonderful. It's a great day. Tired, but energized at the same time. I would imagine. I mean, there's been a lot of big announcements, one of which made me drop my jaw. I had to pick it up on the ground, and we're here now, and I'm in that recovery. But what I want to know is in regards to the Fox X-Men figures that you guys are coming out with for the 20th anniversary, how did that come about? And I want to say, what do we have next? But I know I want to keep a little hush-hush. So. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a world that I've wanted to go back to for a long time. We did a couple of uh, characters back in 2007. We made uh, Colossus. We made Jean. Um, Juggernaut. And Juggernaut, yes, thank you. So I mean, we touched on it, and that was X3 at the time. Um, and, you know, the, 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 some of the characters have just... Resident, I mean, like Hugh Jackman's been this character for I, I don't know how many years, but I mean, I think he's been in more films, more or more Marvel films than any other persona, which is you know an incredible you know thing to celebrate as well. Yeah, 17 years worth of movies. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's insane. And and when I was looking at our shelves, we we're like, those characters matter. You know, Hugh Jackman. For the, for, gener, for a generation, has been Wolverine. Yeah. He needs to have a figure that stands right next to Robert Downey and Chris Evans and Chris Pratt on your shelf. So it was it was a passion project, and it was working with our marketing partners and our Disney partners to find an opportunity to do something in these fall uh, or, or the different fall programs that we've done in the past, like the uh, 10th anniversary and 8th anniversary. We're like, well, maybe there's an opportunity to do something like that. You know, uh, focusing on something that no one will see coming, which is always fun too. When we can come to a show and hit you with something that you didn't expect, it's it's a, a fist pumping win for us because in this world of the internet, it's so hard to to pull one over on you. We started working. Sorry, to, we started working on that for you know several years in advance, and then it finally came to fruition. And it was nice that it was the twentieth. Yeah, I didn't even. Before. I think that was that was you guys. Yeah, I looked yeah, it up Ryan and I was, was like, like, wait a minute, oh, minute. two thousand. <laughs> 2020 line planning. Wait a minute. Let's let's kick this into high gear. And uh, our Disney and Marvel, um, you know, uh, partners help make that happen. And you just said you don't see it coming. Wait. So does that mean maybe a Fantastic Four, Chris Evans era line down the line? Hey, I'll I'll never say no to anything. Now, one of the things I would love to personally see. And I realize I'm probably the only person who would buy it, but a Dolph Lundgren Punisher? No, I'll just, say no to that. I know. But, uh, work in progress. No, but, no we, we've, we've joked about a lot of uh, things like that. We've talked about, you know, Lou Ferrigno Hulk. You know, there's a lot of crazy pieces to the history of this, you know, immense brand. Like I said, 80 plus years of comics and publishing and through that all of the television shows the um, animations the movies the, there's just so much to choose from and you know if there's an opportunity to go back and celebrate anything because every one of us in this room fell in love with this brand for a different reason you know and you know some of those we've been able to hit the the, the Hugh Jackman's were a a, a a passion project for me but there's so much more for you, Dolph Lundgren, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like there's 
awesome stuff that I would love to, to get to. A lot of those types of uh, more niche ones, we would have to work through uh, the rights. You know, is that something that we have the ability to do? But if uh, if we're able to, and if we can get the stars to align, you know, I'm I'm, I'm open to it. Yeah, I'm open to it as well. Just get a couple uh, tens of thousands of more feet friends to, to back that with you, and we can talk. Yeah, it's just a movement, the Lundgren movement. The Lundgren movement. I like that. But what, on top of that, we also have the Black Widow line coming up, and that's going to be fantastic to see. I, the Red Guardian figure alone looks just like him, just a perfect uh, representation of David Harbour. So hats off to you guys. I'm not even wearing a hat. <laughs> Thanks. The, the team works really hard to uh, capture the likeness of the amazing talent that's in these films, you know, in their toys. Um, to, you know, varying levels of success, new uh, technologies that we've been using for the last couple of years, like PhotoReal, took it to the next level, right? Because what we were doing a couple of years ago was like, oh, okay, yeah, that kind of looks like whoever. But some of those advancements, you're like, oh, my God. You know, the first the first samples we were getting to those figures were like, that looks like... And, and the fan photography, right? Uh, you find pictures of them, and if you don't see a joint, you might be convinced that that's an actual person, not a toy. I mean... So, you know. and like even like the course of like over a year, they you know the Black Panther figure, the the head didn't really look like Chadwick Boseman. Then the next year, you see another one, you're like, oh wow, that looks exactly, that's frighteningly like him. So, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. And how can people get a hold of you on social media? Um, uh, the Hasbro Pulse is the Hasbro best Pulse. way to uh, to reach out for you know questions and things like that. A pleasure. So right now we are at Toy Fair 2020 and we are in the presence of one of the artists of my childhood, one of my all-time favorite comic book artists, and I'm not just saying this because you're in the room, I'm joined right now with Todd McFarlane. Todd. Hey Peter, thanks for giving me the time today, bud, appreciate it. Absolutely. Now, this has been a very interesting weekend, there's been a lot of announcements, and one of the things that has been announced is a lot more of the toys involved in the DC line that you're being involved with. Right. Uh, DC Multiverse line, uh, we signed a contract, three-year contract that began on January 1st of this year. Um, uh, I think prior to that, Mattel was making the product. Uh, their contract uh, came up. I think what the thinking was is... Uh, they had given a master toy license to Mattel, and they controlled both what we would call mass production and collector. Right. Uh, and, and then they chose, as they moved forward, to break that into two different people. Instead of assuming that one person could service both, they decided to basically go in two different directions. So Spin Master got the, the mass uh, contract, and we were at the start at the same time. And we we were able to get the quote unquote collector part of it, right? Uh, and, and and essentially what that piece is, it sounds small, but it's actually quite massive. Is I have access to all the TV and movies and animation and video games and and comic books since the dawn of DC in 1936, Action Comics number one, all the way up to today. So if you, if it's existed, theoretically, we can think about making it in plastic, right? Now, it ha there has to be a good reason, it has to have a good look, there has to be a good value, and we have to get, obviously, the sign-off from Warner Brothers Consumer Products, who, you know, Warner Brothers owns DC. Um, so, but literally, there are hundreds and hundreds of 
great looking toys that have yet to be made, I think, yeah. in my mind, you know. So. And when I saw the, the uh, Bruce Timm style action figures, first off, I was in Midtown Comics a couple nights ago, yep. and I'm looking around, and someone hid it behind a book because they wanted it for themselves, and I see the, the Superman one, and I scream, and I'm just like, oh my god, that's... I didn't know it existed, first off, and then I'm like, that's perfect. It was, you know, just to see that, and like a staple of my childhood, done in 3D. Yeah, and so, you know, doing the existing stuff, my job is to get it as accurate as possible and or make it look as fun as possible. Um, and there, obviously, you know, the, the Bruce Tim animation is iconic in its look. I think, I think there's still a step beyond it. Yeah, okay. And the step beyond it is to do animation looks of characters that have never appeared, yeah. right? To do like all the crazy characters in animation that people go, what? I've got the classic Superman and Batman look or the Bruce Timm look, whatever you want to call it, and the Wonder Woman Flash, but I don't, I've never had that character or that character or that character in anime or animation look. Oh my gosh, that's cool. Because I think that what will work for me and my side is to deliver product to people like yourself who will look at something and it just looks good in the package and you go, oh my gosh, nobody's ever made that look before, yeah. right? Uh, and so some of the early data is saying that that is true because, you know, the, the Superman and the Batman that we just did in the, in the armor, right? I mean, they have specific names, but let's just keep it simple. Just, yeah, yeah, but I'm just Superman and Batman in cool armor, right? Let's just keep it simple. Because if you do cool armor with any character, they'll look good as a toy, right? Who cares, who cares whether you know where they came from or whether it was in a video game or animation or a comic book? Or I, I think that the Superman had only been, when we started sculpting, had only been in one book and four panels, I think they said. That's how obscure it was. But when we were looking at it, it was, that will make a cool-looking toy. If you let me distort it just a little bit and make it a little more toyetic uh, and not be a complete slave, which seems almost blasphemy given that Jim Lee, my good friend, designed it. Uh, I was like, Jim, I gotta, I gotta sort of, I gotta sort of tweak it, right? I like, I'm not insulting you, but I gotta tweak it yeah. for, for toy purposes, just so it seems bigger and bulkier, right? Uh, like big fat boots on them instead of the slim down boots or whatever, because it just looked good in packet. The, we can't keep those in stock right now, right? Those, those are selling. The the Batman Who Laugh is selling like hotcakes, and then we've got a line we're showing here that's based on some of the look of the um, White Knight, I think. The White Knight. That right, and that style, I, like of everything that we're showing at Toy Fair, inclusive of everything, not just DC Multiverse. That those three figures are the one that I'm the most excited about to get data on when it comes out for sale. Because if they'll buy stylized looks, then you can see that that Batman doesn't look like any other Batman anybody's ever made before. Because that's the look, you know, that was, we're trying to get close to some of the stuff that's in a comic book, maybe add some stuff to make it look cool toy. But that's, a, so if you're a Batman fan, you can say, oh my God, I can buy another Batman and I don't feel like I'm replicating anything that's in my collection. 
and it looks cool. And so if that's how we get an expansion on people to buy stuff, then I think there are the equivalent of stylistic looks for Superman, Batman, Flash, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, some of the core, because there, there are all these iterations done by, in some cases, hundreds and hundreds of different artists in the comic books that I can then look at for inspiration, not necessarily replicate, but inspiration, and put together, and people walk by having never read the comic, having never seen the comic, having never even heard of who the artists or writers are of those comic books, just go, oh my gosh, I gotta have that Batman because it looks so good, right? And that's it. And then even characters like Azrael, who might not oh be popular, and who might not be popular to a non-comic reader per se, just goes, oh my gosh, that's part of the DC multiverse? That looks cool. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get that and add it to my, to my DC collection. The All of that. Yeah, all of it's all of it's valid. All of it's valid to try and see. And one of the things I also really liked, uh, Ty was showing us during the tour that the Joker figure from White Knight has different color eyes. Yep. It's like the little details like that that you don't see from other companies. So to see that, it's like the minute detail. It's awesome. Well, well, to me, I mean, that's easy because we've got to paint both eyes anyway. So what do I care if it's the same color? Let's just get it right. Exactly. Would 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 what's sort of more interesting to me is that you're only going to be able to do so many jokers in purple, and then they're going to start to look a little redundant. So how can we look at the scope of what's been out there and give different looks? And now here's a joker in a police sort of SWAT outfit, if you will, and then I get to do all these sort of buttons on him because he's got all the pouches and stuff, and it just is a different joker look. And oh, by the way, the way we're sculpting the faces, and even the normal, the normal human face that comes with it. I mean, if you look at the profile, it's almost angular. It almost looks like it's chiseled, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, based obviously on, on the great art of Sean. Uh, okay, I like that look. I like I like fun-looking stuff. And if and there's there are literally dozens and hundreds of examples of this for every character, in, uh, at least the top 20, 25 in the, in the DC multiverse. And then there are even some cool looks for like what I would call obscure characters that will just look good in package. What are you talking about? So I can do, I think I can do a Dr. Fate that will look cool. And people will, people will go, I don't know who Dr. Fate is, but yellow and blue is a good combo. And that looks cool. Look at his big cape, and look at him. He looks cool. I, I, I think we can get there with some of those other characters. Absolutely. And my, my go-to one that I want to see you guys do is either Booster Gold yep. or Swamp Thing. And yep. You doing a Swamp Thing one would be Oh, it'd be gnarly. It'd be gnarly. It'd be especially also Doom Patrol. Just any version of it. I don't care if it's the movie, you know, the uh, TV version, if it's the original comic version where you know Robot Man is naked running around, but whatever. Just yeah. I want to see. It. Yeah, but again, there's a couple characters obviously in in Doom Patrol that you know have that you know especially the Iron Giant look that you just go okay, and then you can sell it because people like robots, yeah. right? There's certain there's certain things that that you can sell. I mean, I'm, I, I I sometimes look at everything through the through two lenses one is through your eyes as you know a young youngish collector right so you're in your 20s or whatever and you're you're a collector of 30s you're in your collect you're 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 a collector then there's the 10 year old version 
And the 10-year-old version, who might not be fluent in all the things that you and I are, is looking at it differently, which is just the cool factor and the plastic factor, right? Like, oh my God, look how much plastic I get. That's super cool, mom, can I get it? Which is why I think to some degree, the, the, the Batman in the armor and the Superman in the armor uh, are doing so well, is because it, it, they're characters that nobody has made for us collectors, and they just look good to a 10-year-old. There's, so it's hitting both sides of the fence. And to me, those should always continue to succeed. And there's a lot of plastic for the same $20 as a normal figure. So. Now, rewinding back over to how you know there's so many elements of the DC universe, is there a possibility down the line we could see a McFarland Adam West? Because I know the whole legal thing with Fox, yada, yada. Um, I don't know where all that stands. I mean, we'll eventually sort of ask and get there. Um, the... What I can do to that is just get it as accurate as possible. I, I, I can tell you, I've seen some people over the years do some pretty good Adam West. Um, the, usually, though, the difference at times, what can be frustrating at times, I think, from a collector point of view, is that some of the toys that you like to collect that are really good come from these smallish companies, and then you got to pay 80 bucks, 100 bucks for a figure. I just like, what? I, so what I'm trying to do. And I'm not going to be able to do it exactly because if I had, if I charged 100 bucks, I could do steel, and I could do chains, I could do this, and I could do that. You could do a steel. I, steel. I, I, right, exactly. Um, what, what, I, what, what my goal is is to say, can I make it, at first blush, look like the $80 item for $20? That's that's my that's my value buy, right? That, that then people will go. Well, I don't need to buy hundred dollar statues of, of you know a Marvel character to start when I can get four DC multiverse cool figures or something like that. So. And you know, growing up, there was a lot for me a lot of the Spawn figures, and like they were like they came out of the comic book. And you know, speaking of that original line of Spawn, I had heard from a friend of a friend, a mutual friend, Land Pitts, that there's going to be a Kickstarter going on. Yeah. Yeah. What is that exactly? What's going on with that? Um, well, we, you know, we we sell, we have been selling uh, over the years through both my dot com and through you know internet sites, if you will, and retailers. That's just the bread and butter. And then there's this there's this new beast, you know, that come into play the last five six years, you know, which is crowdfunding. And I've never done a crowdfunder of anything, so I'm just curious. I'm just curious about it. You know, I've I've said before, I'll. I'll, I'll crowdfund my movie if I have to, right? Get 20 million people, give me a buck. Um, so I'm just curious to see how it all works under the auspices of what we're calling Masterworks. And so Masterworks is going to come back into play, and it's going to, I'm going to have some at retail, some on my own, .com, and then some at the crowdfunding. And, but we wanted to start our first crowdfunder with something that would be meaningful. And so what we did... But the idea was that it came up with was why don't we go back to our original since retro toys seem to be a thing why don't we go back to the original spawn number one from the very get-go that literally put us on the map take that spawn update the sculpt put it in retro packaging I'm, although i'm going to retraw the cover so it's going to it's going to be the same pose but it'd be with my style today we'll change some of the color palette just a little bit but at first when you look at the two together 
it's going to look like, oh my gosh, you got two of the same, and then as you get closer, you're going to see, oh my God, it's a new sculpt, it's a different cape, um, you know, the packaging is different. The easiest thing is going to be, one's going to say Todd Toys, the other's going to say McFarland Toys, because I had to do a name change. But uh, we're just going to do that. We're going to say, hey, I'm going to give you all the retro look, but with his good a sculpting as I can do today, let's just call it my digitally remastered, my digitally remastered spawn, right? Um, and if it works, I can do the entire series one. Violator. Right, no, all of them. Because they're, you know, I'll make a really gnarly looking clown. The Violator was bendy and looked weak in the package. I'll make, I'll make him look good because he's bulky now. Uh, the overkill from that series one to me was almost laughable in hindsight. So I'll make another one that's really cool, but have the same amount of plastic and it'll be heavy. Uh, and, and then there's probably five, six, seven series of spawns that I could go and revamp some of those characters. And then under the, the bigger umbrella of Masterwork, we're then also going to introduce all those brands that we used to do. We talked about this last year, but now we're going to implement it. Of all those brands that literally were there at the beginning. So we're going to see if we can go get another Movie Maniac and go get and do another Tortured Soul. And if you've been collecting uh, McFarland Dragons, then I got another one coming, right? I, I appreciate everybody's patience of 20 years, but I'm going to, if you bought the first six, I'm going to get you your seventh, right? Of all these ones, the Twisted Oz, right? We did six, I'll get you your seventh. And, and then mix, inter, intermix that with a bunch of Spawn and some other cool stuff. And then I'll talk to, you know, Warner Brothers about whether I can even add, because I think, the, you know, those would be places that would be cool to do some really eclectic uh, DC multiverse characters that, that normally I wouldn't put out on a, on a mass level. But I think direct to the consumer, I think there's enough of us that we would buy it. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of people always, they... Your story about how you got into comics, of course, is well known, but what about with toys? Like, you know, your, what were like the toys that introduced you into being a fan and then going into making? Uh, so th those are two separate questions. Uh, so when I was a kid, I used to play with things like Captain Action and, and uh, uh, Matt Mason, but, but probably the one that I played with the most was like Hot Wheels. Um, that was sort of my, my, my mojo. Because uh, I was right there at the ground level when they came out. The snake and the mongoose were like, oh my gosh. We used to go down to the drag races. We lived in Orange County and used to be able to see them in real life and go, oh, I got the hot wheel of that guy. Uh, the reason for making the toys was out of a frustration because I didn't buy toys. Because I didn't think they were good enough. I mean, I just, I've been, I guess, a, an art snob. But I, I, I'm an artist, so I just I look at everything artistically and go, I don't understand it. Why, why wouldn't they do this? So I, I just used to walk up and down. And people say, Hey, Todd, do you not only do you collect action figures, superhero, like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge sports nut, and I collect a lot of sports stuff. I, I didn't buy any of those figures, and they're going, What? You don't buy the, the starting line? I'm like, No, it doesn't look like them. It's not. That's not what. That's not how baseball players look. Yeah. I played baseball, right? I went to college, played at a high level of baseball. That's not how they look. So, so my whole thing was, I don't understand why these toys can't be better. It's plastic. Yeah. You make them out of clay. Clay will go into any shape you tell it. It has it, clay has no intelligence. It's waiting for you to basically tell it what to do. And so, 
I just started asking the question. How hard is it to make toys, right? It's just plastic in the shape. I mean, I'm simplifying it, but it's plastic in the shape. How hard is it to make plastic in the shape? I'll just make the coolest shapes that are out there, right? And that was it. That's That was, you, you know, if, if, if there were a lot of really good-looking toys, I probably wouldn't have started a toy company. I started it out of frustration. And now... And when I started, there was only a handful of toys that I was jealous of. And now you come to the toy fair and there's like hundreds of toys that look good, right? And so hopefully we had something to do with that with helping to sort of lead the path and carve the path. And then a bunch of skilled people came behind and said, hey, if you do quality product, you can sell it with, with, with brands. Cool. And, you know, another thing that's big is within the past, you know, year, you with Spawn number 301 and then Envoy. Spawn, Spawn 300 is, was the second highest selling book in all of 2019 of any books, any issue. So that means that Superman, Batman, Spider-Man had 12 cracks at that because they come out once a month. Any book, any month, take all the total sales, Spawn 300 was number two. Detective 1000 beat me. And then 301 that came out that set a record for the longest running creator owned book in the history of mankind, not in America, not superhero, in the history of mankind, creator owned book. I've got that and we're now up to 306. I gotta, I gotta write that next week. So we're six months past that. And every issue just ups the, the record number. Uh, in the top 11 books of 2019, there's only one title, one that was named twice, Spawn. 300 was at number two, 301 was at number 11. I wish it was the top 10, so I could say two in the top 10, which is top 11, an odd number, but it's still true. So, so yeah, <laughs> there you go. So, the, so, so, and in the top 10, there is zero Spider-Man, zero Iron Man, zero Thor, zero Hulk. Not two, zero. So, Spawn's doing okay, and that's, and he's not even on TV, and I'm not making toys, and he's not in the movie. So just wait till I do, and I bust those out. The movie will come, I'll bust out the toys, and then we'll get them on TV eventually, do the animation again, and we'll go, and all of a sudden Spawn will be relevant. And he's doing okay right now anyways, right? So. And it's like one of those characters that still resonates. Like, what is it like having a character that you created? You know, you idolize, like, the, the greats. They made their creations that are still around today. Yep. Your creation. That was the goal. Today. That was the goal. The goal is, can you create characters? Can you create characters that will live beyond your, your own life? These, these are what I call, I've always referred to them as creative children. Your goal for your own flesh and blood children is that you die before them, right? And that they will live on and they'll be strong and self-sufficient. I, I, I want the same for my creation. So, but I wasn't concerned about creating a hundred ideas. I've always said, if you can create the next Mickey Mouse, you'll be just fine. You don't even have to create Minnie Mouse. Just keep, just keep Mickey. So sometimes people think if they do one thing, they gotta do a hundred things. Just, you can come up with one or two good ideas in your life if lightning strikes go. Ask the person who created the hula hoop. It was a giant hit for a while, and he didn't matter if he had created another toy. I'm sure he did quite well for himself. Absolutely. So Spawn, Spawn now, I think, has made his legacy that, that people hopefully will be asking to see the adventures of him. And then when I get hit by a bus, 
uh, then they'll, they'll be going, that's too bad, Todd's not here. When's the, when's the next issue of Spawn coming out or when's the next movie of Spawn coming out or whatever it is. And that, that's the victory. The victory is that people are going to care about my characters more than they care about me. And that's, again, you know, whenever I see, you know, an article talking about, you know, characters, your character always comes up. And it's like, you know, when are they going to do another Spawn movie? When are they going to do this? Well, he's been around now. I mean, again, you know, it's not a couple years. It's been around 27 years, right? I mean, if you think about it, you know, Spider-Man was invented in 62. Add 27 years to that. That's 89. That's when I took over the Amazing Spider-Man. And to me... Spider-Man had been around forever, my entire lifetime. So I never lived in a world, although I was born in 61, you know, to me, I never lived in a world without Spider-Man, so he was always there. There's now a generation who've never lived in a world without Spawn, right? He's been around long enough, right? You're, I don't know how old you are, but... You, I'm 31. Okay, so... so but, but you probably didn't... But in your consciousness, you, you, you've never lived in a world without him, right? So, so you're just part of sort of the geek fabric of comics and superheroes, right? All right, cool. So now, Todd, before we go, how can people get a hold of you on social media? Uh, which we're, 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 you know, sort of the usual places, uh, Twitter and Facebook, uh, Instagram, you know, it depends. We, each one of them slightly different than the other, but we put up, you know, some of my ideas, mostly drawings or, or lessons or live drawings and stuff like that, just goofy stuff, right? We'll probably be showing some of the toy stuff here, too. Uh, I, I think they just opened up a TikTok that we're going to start going to, so... Uh, anyways, we just we, we, we like to interact with the fans. Very cool. Todd, thank you for your time. Sure. Once again, big thank you to everyone involved in today's episode. Thank you once again to Toy Fair themselves, the New York Toy Fair at the Jacob K. Javits Center. Big thank you once again to everyone at the Jacob K. Javits Center for involvement with Toy Fair, each and every one of them. I had a fantastic time. And I'm looking forward to Toy Fair 2021 if we all don't die from the coronavirus. <laughs> oh, God. But, and that's a big but, because I'm trying to think of what I'm going to say next. Listen to this show on social media. Share it on social media. I don't even know where I'm going with this. But again, thank you to every guest on today's show. But again, big thanks to the architect of my comic book childhood, Todd McFarlane, I still cannot get over that I got to talk to the Todd father. So once again, for Eddie Wilson, he is always going to be the delightful, delectable Eddie Wilson. I don't know where I'm going with that. Eddie is just going to like look at me disappointed the next time he sees me, just more so than usual. But for Eddie Wilson and myself, for the Marvelists, I don't know where I'm going. Oh, God, what am I doing? For the Marvelists, he's Eddie Wilson. For the Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. Excelsior, true believers, and so forth. Yeah. And now Spawn, so turn off your lights. <laughs>